John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. And this is the High Gain Podcast. The High Gain Podcast is so exciting. What are we going to talk about today, John? We're going to talk about guitars and pedals and sounds and noises and all kinds of stuff. Cool. Are you in beautiful West Seattle like me? I am in beautiful West Seattle. It's actually sunny today. It's beautiful out. One of the pedals that we'll use in the episode, I ran it up to your house, and it was beautiful. We stood out there and looked at crows from about 12 feet apart. Yeah. Double the normal safe distance, I would say. I was really surprised that you left the house. (laughs) I didn't put hard shoes on, though. I kept my slippers on. That was important. At least you don't have toe shoes. No. God, no. No. I wonder if we should bring a guest into this one, John. What do you think? Well, I've got this funky guitar here, and it is hands down one of our favorites. Why not talk to the dude that made it? Yeah, let's do it. You know who's here, Ed? I think it's Mike Berenick. It is Mike Berenick. Hey, guys. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Excellent. Pretty good. Where are you, Mike? I'm in sunny Paso Robles, California. Sunny. Where is that? It's San Luis Bisbo which is halfway between L.A. and San Francisco on the coast. They've come up. Ernie Ball Music Man? Ernie Ball Music Man's there. National Resophonic Guitars is here. Wow. How far off I-5 is that? It's probably about 40 minutes from I-5. Mid-pandemic last year, we went down and stayed for a couple months in Palm Springs. Right. We're going to do that again. We're going to drive back down. You should stop in. Stand in your driveway and just like wave from a distance. (laughs) A safe distance. Exactly. I have a big shop. We can roll up the back door and have plenty of fresh air. We'll talk about it afterwards, but I would love to actually take you up on that. It would be amazing. Nice. Yeah, you could go down the (laughs) I-5. Hey, Mike, what's your favorite highway? Uh, My favorite highway is probably the 101. 
you know, kind of goes inland. And then as you go down towards Santa Barbara, it gets real close to the coast. Got it. I love it. I'm here for highway talk. (laughs) Really? Every time we get a California person, it's like, let's talk about roads. Yeah, there's lots of roads. I think my interest is way more pedestrian than that. Yeah. I noticed that up here, we say, yeah, get on I-5, get on 405. Yeah. But down there, they say the I-5, the 405. Really? Huh. Would you say get on the one? I wouldn't. I'd say get on one. I might say the one. (laughs) You start thinking about it, then you can't remember what you would say, right? Exactly. Yep. I'm gonna kill you if you don't beat me to it. Dreaming through Tokyo skies. I wanted to see then I flew over the ocean And I changed my mind Beverages Beverages! Little Phoebe Bridgers there Hell yeah I think we all know why I played that Yeah She was on SNL And I just ping john middle of the night last night and was like turn it on <laughs> baronic yep an re1 yeah you know what we should do the actual beverages i have a seattle strong nitro bold brew Ooh. coffee in a can oh that sounds good made by seattle strong on the caffeine index it's got 300 milligrams of caffeine which seems like a bad idea is that a lot it has a scale and it's at the far end of the scale. But yeah, a lovely coffee in a can. That's what I'm doing. I have a mug of pure black coffee and then another mug of pure black coffee with a skosh of chocolate shake in it. Like a mocha-y shake thing. Yeah, so I'm just going back and forth between the two coffees. Yeah. How about you, Mike? I'm double fisting it. So I've got a AHA sparkling water, citrus and green tea. Ooh. Beautiful. And then I have a Sculpin Hazy IPA. Sculpin? Yeah. I don't know about them. They were in San Diego and Corona bought them for a billion dollars, I think. Whoa. Whoa. Somebody just bought it from Corona for like 500K or something like that. <laughs> I guess that didn't work. Uh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tell me a story about the RE1 prototype. I've had this idea to do a lower price guitar for a while, but I just haven't had the time to get around to it. I was at the NAMM show and hanging out with everybody at the Chase Bliss house afterwards, and Mason Stoops was there. And he had some of his older uh, Gaetone guitars, and we just started talking about gold foil pickups. And I told him, I was like, hey, I have this idea I want to do in a couple of years. I want to do this lower price guitar with gold foils. I'm going to make the pickups myself. I've had this idea for these pickups for a while. He's got a really big collection of Tysco guitars and knows a lot about gold foils. So I was like, hey, would you be interested in doing this? Coronavirus hit and everybody was kind of scrambling to figure out what they were going to do, like if the economy collapsed. It was kind of scary because you're like, well, people can't buy toilet paper. Are they really going to keep on buying guitars? Right. So I kind of launched into this panic mode. I'm like, I better design this guitar now so that in nine months, if people have stopped ordering more expensive guitars, I have something that I can sell. And I got the prototype done and I brought it down to LA to show Mason. 
And I was really expecting for him to kind of be like, well, we need to change this. We need to do this. And he just flipped out over it. He just loved it so much. I said, well, why don't you just keep it for a while and give me some more feedback? So Harrison Whitford is his roommate. I think the same day that Mason took the guitar home, Harrison played it. He fell in love with it. Yep. When I heard he was going to be doing the Saturday Night Live, I was like, dude, feel free to take the RE. And I was so thankful that he did. It was just so cool to see it. That's amazing. The whole point about the guitar was to kind of go back to the roots of making something very simple, something unique, something that kind of just bypass all the stuff that you see on guitars today. And I wasn't really sure how people were going to perceive it or if they would even like it. And it's just been insane. It's blown my mind. I've been building guitars for a long time to have all these people interested in my electric guitars after building acoustics for so long. Right. I have my acoustic business and it's doing really well, but the electrics is new and exciting thing. And it's like switching teams, I guess, like getting traded, you know? Right. <laughs> so it's really kind of fun to make new friends and new relationships. We've got the B1 here. Nice. Should we jump into this? Yeah. Sure. This is the B1 Night Creature, which is beautiful. There are two pickups, but the selector is not a switch, it's a knob. There's a detent in the middle, and you roll it one way or the other to get either the neck or the bridge pickup. Is that like a blend? Yeah, it's a blend knob, so you can kind of change how much of the neck or how much the bridge you're going to put in with the other pickup. So if I'm in the middle, roll it to the neck, back to the bridge. That's so cool. Instead of switch, switch. Yeah. You know, you can have 70% of the bridge and 30% of the neck. And the iconography is really cool. Thanks. On the bridge pickup, it's three lines and the neck pickup is two. And that's what you see on the knob that goes between the pickup. Yeah. How did you come up with that? When I first designed the B1, I was using a lot of aluminum for the control panel and the pickup rings and all that stuff. And I just wanted to put some detail on there that kind of looked cool, you know, pinstriping or whatnot. So I kind of drew it up. And then for the blend thing, I was trying to come up with like a schematic. You kind of look at it like, okay, well, if I'm all the way this way, I know I'm on the bridge. And if I go all this way, I've added the neck now. So they both combined like an arrowhead. It's beautiful. And the pickup rings, this blend knob and the tone and volume knobs have a sort of alien green cover over the aluminum. What material is that? It's just acrylic that I bought. I just kind of found a sheet of that stuff. You know, the picture showed it being more of a lime green color. So it showed up and I opened it up. It kind of looked like a swamp to me a little bit. And I was like, man, I thought it was going to be more of a bright, cheerful kind of color. And it was kind of swamp green, I guess. Yeah, like mossy colored. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of like those monster movies. Yeah. Maybe those black and white monster movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon. You can't really tell what color the creatures are, but maybe they colorize it and the colors are a little off. So that's why I called it the night creature. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a Discord that we use. A bunch of listeners have joined up and we chat in there. Right. And I think there's three or four RE1 orders. I hadn't figured out how I was going to make it exactly, but I knew it was going to be less time and less money to make them. I wanted to do something that was more affordable for you know musicians and also thinking, okay, maybe in nine months, the economy is going to suck and people that couldn't afford a $4,000 guitar would be more interested in buying a $1,700 guitar. Right. I didn't want to take orders or take any money for it. So I just kind of opened up a wait list for it. By the second day, I had 15 people on the wait list and it's up to over 40 right now, which is just kind of blowing my mind. I'm on number like seven right now. And I feel like when I get to number 10, the floodgates are going to open and there's going to be a lot more coming out. Right. 
I think a lot of musicians these days are kind of gravitating to things that are different for inspiration. I get so much enjoyment from Harrison using the guitar or Mason just kind of flipping out over the guitar. It pumps me up so much to know that I can make something that excites someone enough to create something. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that must be one of Ed's presets. <laughs> you guys like share pedals? Like, I got that pedal for the next month, and you take this one, or how do you guys do that? John and I live a couple blocks from each other, so the gear swap between John and I is pretty constant. Oh, nice. The B1, there are vintage knobs on it, right? Do you try to incorporate older stuff and newer stuff? I love mid-century modern stuff. I love to go thrifting and to just find stuff that inspires me. You know, I found uh, you know, this guy had this, this box of vintage knobs and I'm like, how much are these? And he's like, you know, 25 cents for each one. And, and there was thousands of them. And I'm like, well, how much if I just take the whole box? And he's like 20 bucks, you know, <laughs> just get him out of here. Yeah, so for that guitar, I think originally I was going to put red knobs on there because I was trying to go for like Creature of the Black Lagoon thing. And the knobs I got weren't red enough. They had more of a pink hue to them. It didn't work the way I wanted it to work. And so I got out my vintage knobs and I just started going through them. I probably spent too much time going through and looking at all of them. But you kind of find one, you're like, oh, I got two more that looks like this. And the cool thing is like the one that's on the blender knob. Somebody had put that little red dot on there. That looks to me like a little eye, you know, like an eye that's glowing in the dark when you hit it with a flashlight or something like that. Tell me about the headstock. The easiest way to think about it, I think, is like a modified bow tie shape. Yeah. How did you come up with that? Your headstock shape is your identity as a maker, which is really cool because people can just see a headstock and be like, oh, that's a baronic. I really wanted to come up with something that would make a statement and also identify my guitar as that brand. And I'm a big fan of reverse string pull. It changes the tension of the strings. So you add more tension the longer the string is, no matter how long the scale length is. Right. So if your bass string is longer past the nut to the tuner, that just increases the tension to get it to pitch. It's going to sound better. And then the opposite for the treble strings, if you have a shorter string length, it's easier to bend the strings. Right. All reverse headstocks kind of look the same. So I was playing around with it, and I had just decided to try to flip the tuners the other way. And I just kind of was like looking at it going, I don't think anybody's ever done this before. And I had to draw the lines out to where they followed the line of the tuners. I couldn't tell if I was on to something or not. And then I just kind of decided I liked it a lot. I knew it was going to be polarizing, but I was okay with that. And so I drew it out, and the first guy I showed, he just hated it. He's like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Everyone else I showed it to just kind of was like, man, that is so cool. Like, it's so different. I've never seen anything like that. I just kind of decided to go for it. And it's been a really big success for me. I think that uh, it definitely gets people to notice the guitars. We've got a question from our Discord channel. Would you ever put that headstock on one of your acoustics? I have this new, really funky acoustic guitar that I designed. And originally that was going to have that headstock on the guitar. The big problem is the cases. Acoustic guitar cases are kind of made for a certain length of headstock. But yes, I would. When you designed the RE1, the headstock on that one's just slightly different. Like you pulled it back a little bit. Was that a distinction that you wanted sort of separate from the B1 line? 
the B1 headstock is pretty complicated and there's some steps that I take to make it really strong. And what I wanted to do with the RE was make the guitar kind of go back to the elements of the slab headstock so that it would just kind of cut out some of the labor and make it more cost effective and then in return make the guitar a lower price. What does RE and RE1 stand for? The RE is my mantra for that guitar. I'm trying to recycle. I'm trying to repurpose. I'm trying to reduce. The one is for one pickup. The S is for a sliding pickup. So there is going to be like an RE2 with two pickups. Yeah, I've already had a couple of people ask me, well, can I have a neck pickup stationary and have a sliding second pickup? And so there's different things that can happen with that guitar. I didn't think I would make too many different versions of that guitar, but I'm really open to listening to ideas. Already, the ones that are out there are pretty distinct. When the first pictures dropped of it, I kind of thought like, oh, it's going to be that. And now every single one that's come out, they're very distinctly different. The RE1S is going to be like pretty standard. Like it's going to have like a sunburst color. Talking about the reusing and reducing and finding stuff at the warehouse place. Is that where you got the turn indicators from the cars? I found those at a garage sale. I was just on Main Street on my town and you know, I saw a garage sale and I pulled in. It's kind of looking around and I found those and I just kind of bought them because I liked the way they looked and I thought they were cool. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do with them. And so they just kind of sat there. And then when I was brainstorming the idea for the RE1S, they were just kind of sitting on my bench. I kind of looked at it and I was like, man, I wonder if I could just drill some holes and just mount all the electronics in this thing. And I just did it. And I had a couple of people that I showed it to in my shop. One of them was the guy that was like, hated my headstock. And he was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I bought an old pinball machine. I had replaced all the pinball lights. And so I was like, man, it'd be kind of cool if I plugged into this thing, if like the whole thing lit up. And I tried to use those pinball lights at first, but they just drew too much power. I had like 80 of these old pinball lights laying around. And so I was like, I'll use these old pinball lights. So I did on the prototype. I put it in there and I plugged it in. I was like, damn, this thing looks cool. But the pinball lights would kill a nine volt in about 20 minutes. So I had to find some new LED ones. The cool thing with the SNL episode is it totally pops in when he's playing. You can totally see like, what the fuck is that like guitar? <laughs> that pod just glowed. Yeah. It's just enough to be like, what is that? You know, like, why is that thing glowing? Do you have a set number of those taillights? So like you're limited to the number of those taillights, right? I started researching it and I'm like, oh, like I can buy them for like two bucks a piece. Oh, they're discontinued. So I've scoured the internet and I've bought about 30 of these things. And if they pop up, I'll buy them. What kind of car is it from? It's not from a car. It's from a tractor <laughs> or a trailer or something. But the whole thing for me is like, I try to do as much stuff as I possibly can myself. So as long as I have a few of them, I can start resin casting. Oh, right. They come in red too, but the red ones are even harder to find. Maybe like junkyards or something. What happens is people have new old stock, they'll pop up. So there was this one guy I kept on buying from, and he's like, why are you buying these? <laughs> Don't worry what I'm doing with these. You ask an awful lot of questions. <laughs> How many tractor trailers do you have? Enough. He probably thinks I'll just keep on backing my trailer into the building. Now we're onto this tremolo. That's good, right? Very smooth. Kind of low profile, too. It doesn't take up a lot of real estate. What kind is this? It's made by the Doisenberg Goldo brand. I think Goldo owns Doisenberg, but when I was looking at using Tremlos, I really wanted to stay away from using a normal Jazz Master or going with a lot of the other standard hardware that other people were using. Right. 
they're just really a nice, really well designed and made uh, tremolo system that doesn't cost, you know, $300. Goldo himself, he actually collects trem systems. So, like, the dude has like his own personal museum of tremolo technology. Yeah. I'm sure there's not a trem arm that's been made that he doesn't have or hasn't seen. And I had probably like 10 different guitar makers texting me during NAM saying, like, dude, where are you getting that tremolo system from? I don't know. I guess it sits in the middle of being super loose and sloppy and super tight, like a totally nailed down strat arm or something. It's very comfortable. You can loosen or increase the tension on the spring and make it stiffer or looser, too. Oh, that's a great design. I really like the flat black. Oh, thanks. Dylan did ask a question about how you pick your paint schemes. It is one of those things where when you go through your Instagram stream, there really aren't any bad colors. They're pretty spot on. Even the black. You said it's like Creature from the Black Lagoon. I get Swamp Thing. In my head, I go like alien, like space kind of thing with this. How do you pick those things? I mix all my own colors and so I'll either have an idea based on something that I've seen. Like I did that pink Gina guitar. I used that old Regina floor scrubber. <laughs> I just took that up into the paint booth when I was mixing the colors and just tried to get it as close as I could to the two-tone pink. But I like the satin finishes for feel. And also it just has a little bit different look. It kind of mutes the colors a little bit more like an Easter egg pastel almost. That finish I use is a UV-cured acrylic. So it's like this really durable finish that they would like use on floors. I kind of stay away from like your normal nitrocellulose finishes for time. And also, you know, nitrocellulose lacquer is 70% solvents and 30% solids. So when you're spraying that stuff, 70% of that's just going out into the environment or into your body or into your workplace or whatever. And material like that is going to be like 90 to 95% solids. So what you're spraying is either getting on the guitar or getting on the filter, and there's very little else going out into the air. You can cure it faster with UV, right? So you can work quicker? Well, yeah. So like I can spray a coat, and after about 20 minutes, I hit with a light, and it's ready to go. Wow. Yeah, I don't have to wait days or weeks for it to harden. Is it that much less of anything else you have to do? I mean, obviously, you don't have to polish it. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason I do it is like any guitar you buff out, you've got to sand it flat and then you got to buff it out. And to not have to do that on an electric guitar is such a treat. It's a pain in the ass to spray it on where it looks really good and clean. But doing that versus having to like sand everything to 1,000, 1,200 grit and then get it on a buffing wheel for an hour and, and buff it out is worth it for me. How many guitars do you have in process at any one time? It varies. Like right now, I've got so many things going on. I have two acoustic guitars that are getting ready for binding and the necks are getting put together. And I'm going to start spraying those in a couple of days. And I have two acoustic guitars that are like the sides are bent and the backs are braced and the tops are joined up. I have to do rosettes and three REs that are poor filled that are going to go into the booth. And I think we did four RE necks that are ready to start putting finish on. And we just carved 10 other RE necks. So there's a lot of different stuff going on right now that it's been helpful having somebody else. My apprentice, Nate. Wow. That mood guitar. I think I was leaving on Wednesday at 10 a.m. And I got it done like at midnight that night before. 
that guitar, that was my favorite thing in all of Nam. That guitar probably changed my life. It's amazing. Legitimately amazing. I got so much traction off that guitar. So the whole thing is I met Knobs. I figured out who he was and I kind of met him at Nam. He introduced me to Joel and you know, I was like, Hey Joel, what do you think about doing a, a mood guitar? And he was like, Yeah, that'd be really cool. And we didn't really talk much more about it. And I wasn't sure if I was gonna have it done in time. And I'm so glad I got it done because it turned out fantastic. And it's one of those guitars that got photographed a ton. Um, I traded that guitar to Joel for pedals. It's like the best of both worlds. Play it, John. Hit us with that guitar just a little more. Okay, why don't I just do the thing we always do, Ed? This is both neck and bridge. Uh, let's go to the bridge pickup at its bridgiest. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. Let's go neck pickup at its neckiest. Do you have some drive on? I have a little bit of drive. What do you want? I was just making sure. Because, you know, I can put a little of that on. Maybe a... <laughs> now there's some drive on. Pog. A little bit. <laughs> all pickups take pedals differently you know for sure but it's also good to know what that core sound is that bridge pickup i think that's my favorite real kind of punky those holographic gold foils are pretty cool huh yeah definitely the holographic thing that you put on them, what is that? They're made by Mojo Pickups in the UK. That's just something that he offers. It's like a hollow foil instead of a gold foil. They're great pickups. Should we start wrapping this up, guys? I think so. I think we did a great job. Do you? You kidding? Mike killed it today. Nice. What grade are you giving Mike, Ed? You know, a solid... We're going to go A minus B plus. <laughs> I'm a hard grader, Mike. I'm sorry. That's fine. I would love to go straight A, but I just, I can't do it. Next time. I'm fine with an A minus. Solid. Well, okay then, Mike, what grade do you give it, Ed? I give you guys both. Yeah. Same grade. I think so. What I do like about your guys' podcast is I like the interaction between you guys a lot. And you guys both have really professional, like, podcast voice. Ooh. Ooh. And you don't say a lot of ums or repeat yourself a lot. So it's a pretty solid, probably a pretty solid A minus. Nice. We've leaned into the guests this year with the COVID thing. Right. It's also just super nice talking to everyone we've talked to. Yeah. Like you were saying about the community thing. Everyone's been awesome. Without exception. The cross promotion thing is really cool, too. Yeah. Really does help. Mike will post like a Ed and John solid A minus. Yeah. <laughs> B plus. Man, that's a perfect note to thank Mike for showing up and talking to us today. Baronet Guitars, Instagram. Go to my Instagram. It's killer. Yeah, then. Where should people go for us, John? For us? Yeah. Thehighgain.com, that's our website. But I think the same, maybe at The High Gain on Instagram. Follow us. 
and uh, you can keep track of all the pictures of all the cool stuff we play and look at and the people we talk to. All the various socials, whatever. Hit them all. All the socials, just hit them. But the most important thing is, again, yeah, Mike, thank you very much for dialing in and talking to us. Thanks, John. You killed it. I had a great time with you guys, and uh, when you get your RE, let's do another one. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right, guys. Catch you later. See you guys later. Bye.